Hello and welcome back to another episode of Golden Africa. This is Sarah, as always, and today I have a special guest. His name is Tumiso Kevin Mukakangri. He's from Botswana and he is, let's say, he's a chartered accountant. He has his degree from the UK. He has worked in radio. He is currently wrapping up his degree in international business and trade at the African Leadership University. Welcome to Misa. Oh my God, that introduction. <laughs> I am not a chartered accountant yet, but it's part of the plans, you know, for... We're claiming it. You know, this is a good manifestation. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm very excited to be here. Happy to have you here. We have a lot to talk about, but before that, tell us about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your current passions, your dreams, and whatever it is that you're chasing right now. This feels like an interview question. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Dumiswa, and I'm from Botswana, currently finishing school, African Leadership University, and I'm very excited to be here. One of the things that I'm very passionate about is analytics, especially economic analytics, and um, getting to learn a lot from the changing environment and the changing world that we're in and being able to apply that in our day-to-day lives. Like, I am just having a good time learning new things mm-hmm. and being able to analyze things that are new into this world. Like the fourth industrial revolution, for instance, it's something that is new and every single day there's something that is brand new that we need to learn about and then we need to analyze and see how we can use in our day-to-day life. And I think that is a very interesting aspect. Of- I like that. I like how you first got your degree in numbers, basically. And then went on into Africa's Harvard, quote unquote, um, <laughs> to learn a bit more about what's happening on the ground, you know? Like, what has that taught you? If we can start with that, like the fact that, yeah, you immersed yourself in two different worlds. I think the first thing that made me very much interested in coming here was the diversity and how I'm going to meet different people with different stories and different views of life coming Mm. together and growing myself. And I believe that staying in one place can make someone see things in a specific way. And then when you move out of your comfort zone to a different country, you know, different culture, having those culture shots and moment of pressure, that's where you get to learn different things about yourself and even learn about people around the world. I mean, come on, going to school just gives you a clear vision of African people and African Mm. nations because we get 47 African nationalities at school. Uh I get it. I love it. And you just mentioned something that's quite interesting about fourth industrial revolution, which is basically just like digitizing everything right automation um, it's pretty much the digital revolution no yeah and some people they have like there's another different term that is coming up recently on twitter everywhere on twitter everyone is talking about afrofuturism yes exactly and it's pretty much going hand in hand what is your own personal understanding of this term afrofuturism I think it's looking into the future Uh from an African's lens. Uh We as Africans have a history that is generally 
written by a white person. Mm. And looking into the future, we need to take the lens and use it as Africans and try to create something that is African, have an African mm. future that we create ourselves. Mm. And I'm very glad that you asked me because in thinking about African futures, I have specific questions that I want to pose to the listener today. I believe that every single African or everyone who's interested in African futures need to look into or need to research about and think about as an individual. Mm. So the first one is how do we envision Africa to be like in the future? The second question would be who are the key players in that development? The third question would be, how do we get there? Full question being, can we get there? And what will be challenging for us to reach our goals? And are we in the right path? Whoa. That's a little bit heavy. Yeah. I mean, we need to get to the seriousness yeah. of things uh-huh. because yeah. we right now have challenges in Africa and we had challenges in our history. But now moving forward, there needs to be relevant questions being asked for us to be able to get to where we want to get, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I like that. And this whole thing of thinking of African futures or Afrofuturism, it pretty much allows us to benefit from our own art, our own cultures, you know, for decades and centuries, actually. Our art has been being extracted and being sold. elsewhere or um, we go to the UK and their museums is just like African artifacts, you know, like it's about time that we take charge into our own futures so that we can be able to create wealth through our own arts, not just being extracted for the value that we bring. I like what I just saw uh, the other day that the Democratic Republic of Congo is no longer allowing, um, I don't want to say white people, but I'll say it from taking their diamonds or gold or whatever to be processed outside of Congo, right? Yeah. This could be something that's nice. It's nice. It's a a nice step towards a good future, a bright future. But then there's this question, like if they don't move it and it's still being processed in Congo, but if it's being processed by people who are still outsiders, then what's the difference? Like, is it really still making a difference or is it just good on paper? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. And it also has things that you need to consider that could be a disadvantage because you need to look at how African countries sometimes are not the African market from a sale point of view. Looking Mm. at how we do not, we sell most of our minerals to the EU, China and Europe and USA because you never get to hear an African country saying, oh, I'm buying diamonds from Congo or South Africa or Botswana, mm-hmm. you know. You always get to hear saying, I'm selling this to the EU or I'm selling this to this Western country. So mm-hmm. them cutting, it means they're going to cut their clients who used to buy raw materials in Congo because now they will be processing and cleaning in Congo, which means now they need to find the clients who will buy processed diamonds, which 
can be a good thing if they do find it. But if they can't find that and they can't sell that process diamond, then it becomes an issue now. They can't make money from that minerals. Mm, I get it. Yes, but it's it's just one of those things. But I wanted us to shift um, our conversation now and, and talk about how, you know, point out a few facts that are very interesting about Africa, right? The fact that Africa has an approximation of 1.8 billion people and mm-hmm. an average age is 19 years. Okay. And about 60% of people in Africa are under the age of 25 years. Mm-hmm. What do you have to th- what do you have to say about that? It means that a lot of people in Africa are actually mm-hmm. young people. Yeah, actually, people who most of them have not even started that first job. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, that is interesting and also very something that we need to think about because now yeah. it answers the question of who are the key players in the development of African futures. Her. You know, who should we yeah. really now shift focus to? Because we know in the next 50 years, they will still be part of the society in Africa, you know? Yeah. And how in most countries, you cannot be a president until you're the age of 30 or 35. Let's not even start with presidents. Let's talk about members of parliament. Yeah. How many of them are under the age of, let's say, how many are even 25? Let's start there. You know? How many are mm-hmm. 25? I know there's a young, I think she's probably 24 now in mm-hmm. Namibia. But that's the mm-hmm. only one I can point out from the top of my head. But I'm sure they're not even more than five or 10 in the whole of Africa who mm-hmm. are around the age of 25. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's that. And how Africa is a growing economy and a lot of African nations are always on farms as the most growing economies in Africa. And mm-hmm. Africa makes an approximation of 2.6 trillion of GDP, you know, every single year, mm-hmm. especially last year. So for me, this rapid growth seems very measured by Western standards, which is a challenge mm-hmm. that I always have. I'm like... Democracy is measured by Western standards. Civilization Mm -hmm. is measured by Western standards. And development is measured by Western standards. That's why a lot of countries now are talking fourth industrial revolution. But I'm like, most countries in Africa do not even have a complete second industrial revolution. I was just about to say that. (laughs) Yeah, which is why we're having a lot of poverty we have a lot of lack of education and all those things because we jump into the trend of western Mm -hmm. people instead Mm -hmm. of focusing so much on how as a nation like what is our priority as a nation for us to develop because poverty is one of the biggest things in africa education is one of the biggest things in africa and how 43 percent of africans can only access internet and electricity Uh but you want to create electric cars in Africa. Right. It's one of those things Mm -hmm. we need to look at and be like, hungry people cannot even afford food, Um, you know? So this is one of the things where I'm like, what will be the challenges in the vision that we want to achieve as Africans? And then we need to point out how as fast as we're moving, Uh we still need to look back and be like, but we have these challenges that require us to do this and this 
for us to be mm-hmm. able to develop. Yeah. One thing I would say, honestly, is true what you just said, right? Africa has its own problems and trying to solve these problems using Western standards or using Western solutions is just digging the hole deeper. So let's start trying to incorporate some of the African tested and tried measures, you know? The first thing that we know is the whole sense of community. So how can we try to apply this concept to solve the myriads of problems we're facing at the moment? Yeah, I think one thing that we need to realize is most of the things we call our culture now has already been diluted or very much influenced by Western cultures. And there is little to no way we could go back. Even going back would not serve us right. You know, because imagine if every country is like, we want to go back to before colonization. I mean, really, do you want to go there? You know, the one thing we need to look into is how can we get what we have now to benefit us? How can we learn more about a lot of things around the world and Mm. contextualize it into our culture, into Mm. our way of life, into our economies and all these other elements that make a country develop, you know? Because I believe that that is not a thing that we need to do, you know, but moving forward, we need to incorporate both Western and African things, but make sure that all those things are contextualized and made to benefit us as a nation. Because I think now one thing that makes it very difficult is that a lot of leaders who make short-term decisions, you know, like Mm. I want to end poverty by making one, two, three, four, five. But you find out Mm. that in the long run, that thing is not solving for the problems that we're having. For example, when you bring NGOs that say we'll provide food for your country because there's no food, that's a short-term solution, you know? Mm. And we need to come up with long-term solutions for a country, knowing that Mm -hmm. even when you're not a leader at that time, your solutions will still be in place and very much effective. Mm -hmm. I agree 100%. We do need to focus on the long-term solutions. However, we also, we as young people, we have the luxury of trying to fast track these solutions. So whether it's applying tech, the mere fact that we have access to multiple people in different locations, we can use that to our advantage. There's this idea that I've been playing around with. I'm sure we've talked about this before to me. So it's the whole idea of expanding our thoughts and ideas beyond borders. So it doesn't even mean travel. You have the internet, online networking. Yes. It's there's so much more that you can achieve than just staying alone and trying to come up with the genius idea that no one else has ever thought of. You know, like at the end of the day, synergistic thinking is what will get Africa to where we want it to be or else we will just be doomed because at the end of the day, the people in parliament are older, are part of a different generation. They're creating a reality for us, a reality we will have to live in. So if they do it wrong, it's up to us to live in it, you know. So it's about time that we do take up the charge, even if we don't have to be in the parliament. We have people um, outside doing other types of 
work that doesn't necessarily involve you sitting in a parliament and pretending you're doing a job that you're not doing. And I think moving forward, there needs to be also a shift of conversations on equality and equity to mm-hmm. now not look at gender equality only and also look at mm-hmm. age as well. Mm-hmm. You know, age, you know, needs to be one of the things that people also include when they talk about equality mm-hmm. because we are facing that thing where in the past people used to be like, oh, women were not represented in such positions and now we are moving into a place where we allow women to gravitate into any position they want to gravitate into and now it's time to open a conversation of age as well you know because we cannot have someone saying i'm making decisions for children and this person has not had any study or research or any representative who has Mm. worked in that field to make a decision, you know? And we have Mm. people who are not youth making youth decisions, you know, Mm. and he does not even have an assistant or a board member who's helping that person make a decision. Mm. Who is a youth? You understand? Mm. So I'm not saying we need to pack all the youth in the street and take them to leadership positions. But Mm. what I'm saying is there has to be some sort of involvement Mm. in research so that institutions that make decisions for a certain group of people can easily relate to the issues of that group of people. Yeah, and this is more so around education. It always baffles me how people are not interested in taking up technology they're still pretty much behind. They're still in the second revolution, as you talked about. And they're making decisions as to decisions about education, the future of education, what's happening in schools and whatnot. Because we're in 2021. If a 60-year-old man is decide, is making the decisions around what kind of curriculums are allowed in a certain country, then there's definitely a big question mark in that. Yeah, there was this joke I saw on um, Twitter where people were like, a leader will stand up and talk about the fourth industrial revolution and how much they're investing a lot of money into it, but will still not mm-hmm. know how to operate an email. Basically. <laughs> I had to stop. Exactly I was like, wow. I was like, literally. yo. Yeah, they call, they call emails a new technology. And I'm like, emails has been here for decades. Yeah, sorry yeah. to break it to you. <laughs> well, the hot oh truth about the conversations we're having. But I think yeah. for me, it's not even about who leads. Mm. For me, is how this person leads and what mm. this person really stands for. You know, yeah. because we can get any leader mm. and still have a great impact from that mm. leader leading. As much right. as we need representation, sometimes representation does not mean everyone gets to lead, but it means yeah. everybody gets to participate. You know, yeah, everybody gets to have voice. That's very, very true. And as we wrap up this conversation, you know, we're talking about African futures. As you put it, how does the future look like for Africa? You know, if we're to explore the ideal life that we would want to live, let's say 10, 20 years from now. What does it look like? Will this be able to happen if 80% of the parliament is 
pretty much people were in their 60s. What will happen if they die? Who will lead us? You know, if we don't start taking um, up these positions, then what's going to happen to us? You know, like if we don't start um, implementing these synergistic solutions whereby we have at least a few more younger people, that way they can kind of be groomed by the older people yet still applying the younger generation touch. You know, exactly. That's honestly the question I just want to pose to the audience. That That's pretty much it to me. So yeah. like, what, what are your last words for us? <laughs> I think my last words um, is a call for action mm. that there is that two call for actions I have with me here. The first mm-hmm. one is there's a need for investment in research and studies because We need informed decisions made by leadership. We need people who are qualified to examine trends that determine what kind of decisions need to be made now or today that will benefit the continent today and in the long run. The second one is to invest in economic growth acceleration. Identifying main economic growth drivers and try by all means that those are the ones that the country should focus on, develop and make it that that point where it will make a lot of revenue, create jobs and development and entirely have a good economy that Africa gets to grow. And I think this this can be specific to countries or even the whole continent as a whole. And like we said, this is an open conversation and a conversation starter. Nothing Mm. is correct. Nothing Mm. is defined because we're talking about something that has not happened yet. We're talking about reimagining Africa and trying to make sure that we create an Africa that we want and require. Mm. Exactly. It's time we actually take action because we really don't have the time because if we're talking about climate change so we have all the technologies that can create um realities where people can have meetings in the comforts of their homes or offices you know let's be realistic about some of the solutions we're trying to implement here and be conscious about our own futures because these people if they're willing to take up all these flights and increase all this carbon in the air just to talk about climate change the irony is just it proves that they do not care about us enough it's just up to us to create the future that we want honestly i mean let's have an africa that makes its own decisions and that makes Mm. african solutions to african problems and challenges let's make africa africa (laughs) let's make africa great again no (laughs) you're not gonna use donald trump's slogan here no way There's a lot that has been said and obviously we didn't go too deep into anything and that's for a valid reason because it's all open for your own imagination and your own understanding. So what does the future you dream of look like and what are you doing about it? What are you doing to help achieve that future? That's honestly a question I'm leaving to you and thank you so much for tuning in for today. See you next week. As always, stay gold and go get it.